If you have your Bibles, turn in them to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, the scripture we're looking at is in your bulletin on the inside cover. Um, we're going to be reading 1 Timothy verses 1 and 2. And today we're just going to focus on the first half of verse 2. And so, uh, but 2 Timothy 1 verses 1 and 2, friends, listen. This is God's word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. This is God's word. So we are, as of January 1, we're taking a resolution together, right? You've resolved this with me. We've made this resolution to become people who celebrate. People who celebrate. We want to shift our lives from being focused on just our situations and letting our situations tell us how we feel and how we're doing. We want to move from situation to celebration. And what better way for us to learn this than to listen to Paul? Paul, who was a man writing this letter, he was stuck in prison. He was stuck in prison, right? And just to show you some of the photographs that we've seen up to this point, Right, this was the, the prison cell, uh, the, excuse the upper prison cell, because in the middle of this upper level, they had this hole in the ground that didn't used to be covered with this grate. And the worst prisoners that were in the biggest trouble, they would drop through this hole in the ground into this cold, wet, lower chamber, right? Um, and they were chained to the pillar that's on the left. Um, this prison cell, again, was connected to the sewer system of the city. And if it ever got too full, Uh, they would open up the sewer and the prisoners underneath there would be drowned in the toilet water of Rome. Now, now that didn't happen to Paul. Paul didn't get drowned. No, no, no. Instead, Paul's head got chopped off. Um, And so, so, yeah, it wasn't that bad for Paul. Um, So, so this is Paul. This is where he is. And, And yet, in the midst of his miserable situation, Paul has the ability, he's got the strength to celebrate. He's got the strength to celebrate. And last week we saw that Paul was moved to celebrate by his identity. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He remembered his relationship with God and that helped him in the midst of his great suffering. Um, But there was was something else. It wasn't just his identity and his relationship with God that was able to reach him. Right? Something else reached him deep in that dark and wet prison cell. Um, How do we know that something else was able to reach him? How do we know? Well, it's it's because he wrote this letter. It's because we have this letter. Paul knew that ultimately life wasn't about him. Paul knew that there was something bigger going on in life. And so after rehearsing Paul's identity, his own identity, and celebrating his relationship with God and affirming the fact Remember this? He was affirming the fact that he was actually living the life, right? This was the life, according to Paul. Um, Even though he was in prison, Paul also remembered his mission. He remembered his mission. And this letter is Paul embracing his mission. Okay, he's not just remembering his identity, but he's remembering his mission. That's what we're going to look at today. And as we understand Paul's mission, it will bring us face-to-face with part of our mission, And it give us the chance to celebrate in all of our situations too. Okay, and so what does Paul say? Well, we're just going to look at, like I said, at the first five words of verse two. 
the first thing he says, he says to Timothy. Right? To Timothy. So we realize that as Paul is, was thinking about himself, he's thinking about his situation, he begins to actually realize his mission. Maybe he's thinking about being an apostle, and he realizes that part of his mission is to help others. Part of Paul's mission is to help others. And so Paul wrote this letter to help Timothy. So I want you to connect with this. Paul is in prison, and his letter is focused on giving help. Okay? Paul's in this awful prison, and his letter is focused on giving help. Timothy is mentioned 26 times in the New Testament, seven times in the book of Acts, Starts in Acts 16, if you want to read about Timothy there, through Acts 20. And then he's in nine other New Testament letters. And then beyond those nine where he's mentioned, he's also got two letters that are written to him directly. Okay, and so he's mentioned pretty frequently in the New Testament. Um, Paul meets Timothy in Acts 16. At the very beginning of Acts 16, it says, Paul came also to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And so Paul comes into the city. He meets some of the people who are already Christians. And he gets to know Timothy. And as he gets to know Timothy and he spends time with him, he invites Timothy to go with him, to be um, like a companion, like a traveling companion to work with him. And so Timothy worked for Paul. And then he worked with Paul. And ultimately, Paul trained him to be a pastor. Okay, And so in the letters where Paul mentions Timothy, Paul calls him my fellow worker. Paul calls him a proclaimer of the gospel. And then Paul calls him God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ. Okay, So these are just some of the ways that Paul talked about Timothy. And so they had this special bond of friendship and partnership in the ministry. And so when Paul was imprisoned, Paul knew that Timothy would be shaken. Paul knew that Timothy needed him. As we read about Timothy, one of the other things that we see is that it seems as though Timothy struggled with confidence. Okay, Timothy seemed to be a bit timid, a little bit nervous about leading. Uh, We're going to see Paul address these things specifically in this letter. Um, And I think that in a sense, Timothy is similar to many of us. Um, A lot of people that I know Um, are timid about leading. We're nervous about being able to lead somebody else. Like it's one thing for us to say we're a Christian, for us to say we have a relationship with God, but when it comes to people feeling like they can have an influence on others, a lot of people feel like, well, how can I lead? Why would anybody want to follow me? What do I have I know how broken I am. I know how sinful I am. I know what I struggle with. And so why would somebody want to follow me? Right? We get nervous. We get fearful. We feel unworthy. And so I think in some ways we're like Timothy. And as Paul addresses these things with Timothy, we can have him address these things in us. And Paul knows this. And Paul knows that now that he has been imprisoned, right? Paul was imprisoned because he was preaching Jesus. And this was going to strike a blow to Timothy. It's going to strike at his confidence. Right, if the guy that you follow is all of a sudden in prison, what's that going to mean for you? Right, if they know that you're one of his disciples, you know they're going to come after you. And so Paul then writes this letter to help Timothy. 
And we see this, that Paul knows, we've seen in other places, Paul knows that he's going to die when he writes this letter. And Paul sees that his legacy, right, when Paul thinks about his legacy as he's passing the baton, right, what's going to happen when he's gone, we see that in Paul's mind, his legacy was other people. Okay, Paul's legacy was other people. Everything that we have that Paul wrote was something that he wrote to someone else. Paul's legacy, 2,000 years later, as we still read and are devoted to the writings that he wrote, it was all because Paul Paul embraced his mission to care about others. Because you want to ask yourself, what is it? What was going on in Paul? What was he thinking that he could be in this prison situation and yet write a letter like this? Paul knew that even though he was in the place that he was, he knew that God was still at work in the world. Right, let me show you this. This is in the next chapter. In 2 Timothy 2.9, Paul said, I am bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. And so Paul knew that even though he was stuck, even though he was chained, right? they say that he was chained to that pillar right there, That's where he was. He was stuck in there in this dark place, right, with that hole in the wall. The hole in the ceiling was the only light. It was the only air that could come in. Paul was stuck there. And yet he knew that God was still on the move. Paul knew that God was actively at work in the lives of others. And so his focus shifted from himself and his situation to Timothy. Paul thought, okay, when I look at myself, there's not much that I can, not much going on here that's, that's any good or it's even productive. But you know what? God's doing something in Timothy's life. I want to be a part of that. And so beyond identity, right? Beyond understanding our relationship with God, although that's huge, it's key. Uh, the key to becoming people who celebrate is to embrace your mission. Right, to understand the part that you have to play in the lives of other people. Remember that God is calling you to make a difference in the lives of others. Rick Warren always said that you know, there's two things that you can do on earth that you can't do in heaven. One is sin. Uh, the other is to share Jesus with other people. He actually says one is sin, the other one is to evangelize. That's what he says. So you can sin and evangelize here on earth. You can't do that in heaven. And then he says, which do you think God left you here for? It's like, all right, that works. Um, I think the same is true for us. Part of the mission that God has given to every single person, God wants you to have an influence, an impact on other people. Part of your mission is to be a part of God's discipling process. He wants all of us to be part of the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. When you embrace this mission, when you embrace this mission, you take a step from being controlled by your situation to being able to celebrate no matter what. No matter what.
And so these first two words of this, the, 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 of verse two, where Paul says to Timothy, this calls me to ask us. Okay, we have a question for us. And this is the blank in your bulletin. Right, number one there in your, in your, in your bulletin. Who are your Timothys? Okay, who are your Timothys? Paul was stuck. Paul was, I mean, but Paul doesn't even sound like he's stuck, right? Paul was triumphantly living the life in prison, and he's thinking about Timothy. He's writing to Timothy. Who are your Timothys? Who are your Timothys? Who, are, who is your spiritual legacy? Right? God wants every single one of us. And, and in the Greek, every single one of us means every single one of us. Right? God wants all of us to have people that we are focused on. People that we care about. People that we are investing in. And so who are you investing in? Whose spiritual life are you caring about? Who are you writing to? Who's getting letters from you? Or emails? Or, I mean, better than that, who are you meeting with? Right? Who are you having coffee with? Who are you having lunch with? Breakfast with? Right? Who are you making sure understands the faith? If you have a family, of course you're going to focus on your spouse, on your children. But who else? Who else? If you were going to die, who would you want to make sure hears from you before the end of your life? Right? Whose faith do you want to make sure is strong enough so that it will continue on after you're gone? Friends, you are needed. Okay, every one of you is needed. And if you think, yeah, but you don't know what my life is like, then what I would say to you is you, you're needed especially when you're suffering. Especially when your life is not going well, you are needed even more. Because let me tell you a secret. When people's lives are going really well all the time, those people can kind of be frustrating sometimes. Because you hear them, you know, like you hear how well they're going, you're like, well, I guess it's just not going to work out for me, right? You think, I'm not like them. I can't be like them. God must be doing something in their life that he's not doing in mine, right? And that can get frustrating if someone's life is always going well, but it's especially when we're suffering, right? It's when you're suffering, that's when your strength is shown. That's when the reality of your faith is demonstrated, right? Anybody can love God when life is going well, right? But what do you do when your life falls apart? What do you do when things are frustrating? And sometimes it's huge things that come crashing down, but other times it's like that slow burn, right? It's like death by paper cuts, <laughs> you know? It's like that annoyance, that, that, that frustrating thing in your life, right? It's when things are bad in your life that we want to follow Paul, but we want to, and then and see and participate in what God is doing in the lives of others. Okay? I mean, this is so helpful, right? Because when there's nothing in your life that you can see that's worth celebrating, then stop looking at your life and start looking at someone else's. 
Right? What is God doing around you? What is God doing around you that you can celebrate? Because when you start asking that question, God will use you to impact others. That's how you begin to embrace your mission. Now, how does Paul address Timothy? Uh, let's look at the next three words as we snails, snail crawl through this. Um, t- he says to Timothy, he says, my beloved child. My beloved child. This is how he addresses Timothy. This is the first thing he says, right? Paul, an apostle, but then to Timothy, my beloved child. And so here's the question for us, right? When you think about your Timothys, okay? When you think about your Timothys, here's the question. What do they think you think about them? Okay? What do they, what do your Timothys think that you think about them? Right? The people in whose lives you are investing, the people, in, the, the people that you're discipling, the people you're caring about, the people that you are spiritually trying to help grow. Right? What do they think you think about them? And if you're sitting there thinking, by the way, well, I don't have any Timothys, so what do I do about that? Hold on. I'm going to talk, to, I'm gonna talk about that in a few minutes. Um, but what does Timothy think? Yeah. Whatever Timothy thought, here's what Paul says. Paul says, you are my beloved child. My beloved child. This is personal. Right? This is one of the most personal letters that Paul has written. He writes to Timothy. Paul cares. Paul is taking responsibility for Timothy's well-being. Right? This is love. This is love like family. This isn't, well, I hope things go well for you, but, you know, it's up to you. Like Paul has a measure of responsibility here. My beloved child, we're family. So you want to think about the people that you're caring about. I mean, this is part of the process of learning how to disciple people is that you care about them. Right? You're willing to sacrifice. Um, there's deep friendship here. You can almost hear the pride in Paul's voice. You know, to Timothy, my beloved child. And so however Timothy's doing, whether he's having a good day or a bad day when this letter comes, Paul's words to him, he says, Timothy, you are my beloved child. And I love you. I am for you. I'm a fan of yours. And Paul is not unaware of Timothy's weaknesses. We'll see that. We'll see that there are times when Paul gets up in Timothy's kitchen and helps him to, and challenges him in some areas of his life. But where does it start? It starts with love, with pride in a relationship. So, you want to let this be the banner over everything that you say and do for people in your life. My beloved child, you want to convince people that, that you love them. You want to make sure that they know that you love them. That the things that you say, the things that you do, that those things convince them that you're a fan, that you're on their side, that you are with them and you're for them. You want them to feel your love and your encouragement. 
And I don't think that Paul uses this, this phrase by chance. I think that what Paul is doing in this letter to Timothy is Paul is echoing the greatest statement of love in human history. I think Paul uh, is quoting from the greatest statement of love in the history of the world. In Luke chapter 3, when Jesus was baptized, it says that the heavens opened and God the Father spoke. This is what he said. He said, you are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. I think that Paul is quoting this to Timothy. God the Father says this to Jesus when he's baptized. Jesus is baptized at the beginning of his public ministry. At the beginning. Before Jesus had done anything. Before the miracles, right? Before the teachings, before the sermons, before all that stuff. God wanted to make sure that Jesus started his public ministry knowing God's approval. This is a love that comes before you do anything. I think parents uh, can sometimes mix this up. I know that I struggle sometimes where it's just really easy for us to treat our kids as though we would say this to them after they've done well instead of before. But the gospel says it first. In the gospel, God goes first and he says, I love you, I welcome you, you are my son, you are my daughter, and in you I am well pleased. And he takes us to himself and he loves us. He forgives us, he saves us, he makes us blameless in his presence with great joy. And then he says, follow me. This is not religion, right friends? I mean, religion says do, 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 do. And then if you do enough, then God will bless you. But Jesus comes to us, no matter who we are, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, and Jesus says, you don't have to do anything. It's all been done. It's all been done. My salvation is free. My grace is extravagant. And I think Paul is quoting this language. Because Paul knows that he has been loved by God in this way. And he wants to make sure that Timothy never forgets it. And so I think there's a, definitely this amazing mentor relationship, this discipling relationship that existed with Paul and Timothy, so much so that Paul calls Timothy his son. They were like a you know, master and apprentice in the ministry together. But at the same time, like Paul knows Paul knows that what he has to offer Timothy is what God has given him. I think this is a huge part of how to celebrate in any situation. Because no matter what your circumstances are, God's not done loving you. God hasn't stopped loving you. God is as passionately in love with you now as he ever has been in his life. God loves you now just as much as he did when you first started following Jesus. You might feel differently, but he doesn't. 
And so there are times when your love will run cold, but God's love never runs cold. And so Paul wants to share with Timothy. He wants to share with Timothy, and, and when he does that, he, he reminds us, right? If you're going to share, if you're going to care for someone else, one of the ways to convince your Timothys that, you, that they are your beloved children um, is you want to share with them the love, the same love that God shares with you. It's what you get from God. That's what you give to your Timothys. And next week, we're actually going to talk specifically about what you get from God. Okay? So what you get from God is coming next week. And then we're going to start a new sermon series the week after on how you give what you get to others. Okay? So if you don't know how to disciple somebody, um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to spend six weeks on how you can disciple someone else. How you can become a spiritual mentor. How you can embrace your mission Right, this part of your mission um, to disciple other people. But it starts with love. Right? It starts with family and relationship. So you want to be an encourager, you want to celebrate them. Tell them what you see God doing in their lives and make sure they know how much you care. So I want us to do a, a quick assessment exercise. Okay? Um, I'm going to describe a continuum. And I want you all to assess yourselves in terms of where you are in embracing your mission. Okay? Let me show you these five things. Okay, I'm going to walk through each of these five things, and I want you to figure out where you are in this process. Okay? First, so the question is, where are you in, in embracing this part of your mission, the mission to make disciples? So first, um, I know some of you, you're not a Christian, or you're a former Christian. Okay, you're exploring Christianity, you're learning more, or you used to be a Christian, you left the church, and now you're reconsidering Jesus. Okay, pretty straightforward. Two, uh, you might be a Timothy without a Paul. Okay, you're not in a discipleship relationship where someone else is pouring into you and helping you grow. Okay, three, you're a Timothy with a Paul. Okay, you're in a relationship with someone who is regularly meeting with you and helping you to grow in your faith. Okay, right, you get that? And then four, uh, you might be a Paul without a Timothy. Okay, you are mature enough to be discipling someone else. You're mature enough uh, to be able to pour into someone else, but you're not. Okay, maybe you don't know how. Maybe you're nervous. Uh, maybe you don't have time or you don't think you have time. So that's category four. And then five is you're a Paul with a Timothy. Okay, you are currently discipling one or more other people. Um, you know you're doing it, and they know you're doing it. Um, so I want you to think about that and assess yourself. Figure out where are you, one, two, three, four, or five. Um, if you think more than one applies to you, then just think of one, like which one is stronger, okay? Um, here's the good news, and what's exciting is that no matter where you are in this, in this assessment, this letter will speak to you. Okay, this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy will speak to you, and, and probably he's going to speak to you in multiple levels. Okay, because there's going to be some times when you're going to feel more like Timothy, receiving the truths of this letter as though Paul was writing directly to you. Right? Other times you're going to feel more like Paul, and you're going to feel like, wow, you know what? I know that this truth would really help somebody else that I care about, and I want to share this with them. 
Now, ultimately, if this letter were to have its complete work, Paul, through this letter, God, through this letter, will disciple you to become like him. Okay? The goal is that all of us would become like Paul in this way, that we all would have people in our lives, identifiable few, that we are caring about, that we are discipling, and that we are caring for. And so as you learn from Paul, you're going to grow. So wherever you are in this, you're going to grow. You're going to grow in the process. Um, You're going to learn how to disciple others so that they also can become like Paul. Now, embracing your mission, okay, embracing your mission today doesn't mean that you have to be at number five, okay? My goal in these three sermons, so la- or the, the, this sermon series about situation to celebration, my goal is that you would embrace your mission, okay? That's my goal. And now, what does embracing your mission look like? Well, for some of you, it's going to look like being number five, but today. So right now, you can embrace your mission by identifying where you are and then just saying, I want to grow. By just committing that I want to move in this progression farther along. Okay? Embracing your mission means being in the path. Okay? Because look, some of you, some of you are not ready to be a Paul. Some of you need to be a Timothy first, okay? Some of you need to learn how to learn, right? Some of you need to be, learn how to be humble enough to let someone who's not perfect help you grow, right? So, um, and so, um, so embracing your mission means that wherever you're on the list, you want to grow and you, move, and you want to move toward number five, so that self-assessment that you've done, okay, I want, you to, I want you to write that down in two places, okay? The first place I want you to write it down is I want you to write it in your bulletin, okay? Write it down at the bottom of your bulletin. Just write the number. If you want to write some thoughts about why you said that, you can do that. Um, but I want you to write it there in your bulletin so that you can reflect on where you are. And this week, you can consider where does God want me to, to move and how, Okay? But then the second place where I want you to write this assessment is on this connection card. Okay? I want you to take the connection card out and I want you to write your assessment on this card on the back where it says comments, requests, or prayer needs. You can just write down the number. Um, You can write down comments if you want. But I want all of us to do this. And then when we receive our offering uh, in a few minutes, I want us all to put our cards in the offering basket so that we can have it, so that I can have it. Because as a staff, as a staff, we want to know where you think you are. Okay? We want to know where you think you are. Um, Because for me, as we spend this year looking at this letter, there's lots of different ways that we can preach, that I can preach this letter. I can treat all of you as though you either are at number five or should be at number five. Okay, and we can read this letter and, and, and apply this letter as though we are supposed to be like Paul, communicating these same truths to people in our lives. Okay, but if y'all aren't at four or five, that's going to miss you. You, you. you understand what I'm saying? You know, and so if you think you're at a one or a two or a three, I mean, wherever you are, I want to know 
where you think you are so that I can make sure as we preach through this, I address you as Timothy and I address you as Paul. I can address you as Timothys who have Pauls in your life, Timothys who don't have Pauls in your life. We want to be able, as a church, to make sure that if you want a Paul or a Pauline, um, you can do that. Like, you can have one. You know where to go with that. Okay? And so um, on this card, if, I mean, I'd prefer that you put your name on here and let me know what your assessment is. But if you don't want to put your name, that's fine. You can do it anonymously. I mean, in some ways, just knowing the numbers of ones, twos, threes, fours, and fives would be helpful enough uh, in terms of being able to apply the sermons going forward. But I want to make sure that we all get the most possible out of this letter. It's going to change us for the better. And I want to make sure that we start uh, and we move in a way that, um, I mean, that fits where we're starting. Okay? Are you with me? Does that make sense? So, I mean, again, the good news is that this letter will hit all of us in every place. But I want to ask yourself, what would your life look like if you were to embrace your mission? Okay, if you were to embrace this part of God's mission for your life, what would your life look like? Does it look like you seeking someone out to teach you? Uh, would it look like you asking somebody else, hey, look, I want to spend some time with you. I want to get together and talk about God. If we get on this mission together as a church, we're going to impact the city. We're going to become a place where everyone, no matter where they are, has a home. But we all need to be on mission together. So pray with me. Lord God, we thank you. Um, we thank you for these words. Uh, we thank you that Paul, in the midst of this ridiculously awful situation, cared so much about other people that he looked outside of himself. He was able to celebrate you and Timothy. Lord, there is a vision here that we aspire to. Lord, we all want to be people that have an impact, that do things of significance. We want to have a legacy. And so we ask that you would make it clear to us, make it clear to us, maybe who, who in our lives we should be caring about, who in our lives we should be seeking out uh, to learn from and to grow from. Uh, Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just be people that come together and have a good time, but Lord, I pray that you would help us to become people that have a good time and also get serious about you and serious about helping each other to grow. Lord, that is so much a part of the life that we want. We pray that you would make it so in our lives. So show us the way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.